chapter 7. Tonight I want to talk to you about you can depend on it. We're going to talk about kingdom dependence. Uh, as you know, tomorrow as the nation of the United States, we're going to be celebrating our independence, right? It's Independence Day. It's the day we declared independence from a kingdom uh, of Britain because of a monarchy that the settlers thought were um, not profitable for them and based upon some tax issues. And so, you know, we became a free country, or really we just became an independent country from Britain, and we became our own nation uh, under a republic, okay? But, you know, since then we've expanded to democracy, because a, democ uh, a republic type of government is one based upon law, and they set those laws up that were in line with the Word of God, amen? And the men who fashioned it designed it so that we would actually uphold truths, not walk away from those truths. And the Constitution today is being misinterpreted tremendously um, so that everybody seems to be getting what they want. But, amen, there is a truth, is there not? And that's important because in our world where people think there is no truth or it's hard to find truth or truth is relative based upon situations, that is not the case. God's Word is truth. And the Holy Spirit is truth. In fact, truth is not information. Truth is a spirit. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. We'll see that tonight. And so um, it's so important for us to get into the Word of God and find out what truth is because we can live by that truth, and that truth will set us free. Amen? It will set us free from everything. But I want to look at, at, at a couple things tonight um, because there are words that are being spoken in our society that's not truth, and we need to be aware of that because there's discerning between the two. Now, look, Jesus makes this statement in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 15. He says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. That's a pretty powerful statement. On the outside, they may be saying, Hallelujah, brother, but on the inside, their, their uh, heart is not to profit you, but really to eat you up. And so they'll say things to benefit themselves, to try to manipulate you into situations. And so he begins to say, Listen, you need to be conscientious. There are people that are speaking things that aren't true. He goes on to say, verse 16, he says, You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles are they. So every, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is what? Cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. So... We hear this statement all the time, even within the church culture, you know, don't judge me. Well, nobody's judging someone, but we can identify someone based upon their fruits. We are to judge people based upon their fruit. That doesn't mean I'm judging Jimmy, but we can determine where Jimmy's at based upon the fruit he bears. Okay? Because when it's all said and done, outward appearances are going to be tough to determine whether a person's right or not, or whether they're good or not. There's a lot of nice people in the world. Okay? A lot of nice people. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're good. Because good people bear good fruit. And bad people bear bad fruit. And so we've got to determine what this fruit is. Well, this in context is a pretty powerful statement because the Lord tells us, beware of these false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing. They look a certain way on the outside, but their heart's really wrong. On the inside, man, they just really want to eat you up. They want to devour you for, for who you are. They want to make... Um, take advantage of you, and then he identifies, listen, there's some fruits to determine whether or not you can find out whether this person is telling truth or not. 
And then the next statement is a very powerful statement because he says, you'll know them by their fruits. Then he says this here in verse uh, 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who what? Does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. So he tells us then there start here. Uh, Jesus begins to let us know. You're going to find out pretty quick where a person's fruit's at based upon their lifestyle. Okay? And that lifestyle is in connection with the will of my Father. Okay? The will of my Father. Because if we're not doing the will of my Father, you can say, Lord, Lord, all day long. But that's not going to profit you. You can come to church all day long and sing hallelujah and sing praise and worship. That doesn't necessarily mean a thing. There's a lot of people putting on that charade all day long. But there's something we can depend on. It is the Word of God. Okay? So he says, listen, if it, it, the one who does the will of my Father, that's the one who will enter in. Now look what he says in verse 22. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Well, now you think that person who's casting out demons, who's prophesying, and who's, um, you know, uh, what was the other part? Um, casting out demons, prophesying, and um, performing miracles. You think, well, God's touching them. Yeah, but he says this. Look, the very next verse says this. He says that, um, and then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's powerful. This tells us it describes a man who once followed God, who used the name of God, who was passionate, but at some point fell away from him, obviously he's not operating, and now they're standing before the Lord and they're trying to pull up past stuff. Why? Because they're actually practicing something today that they used to not practice. You've seen them. They come to church and they get born again, and, you know, they start following God, and they're excited and passionate about God. They're doing everything the Lord says. And all of a sudden, somewhere, they fall in maybe to that parable of the sower where maybe, you know, they received the word with joy, but when trial and tribulation came, what did they do? They fell away and they bear no fruit. Or, you know, they, all of a sudden, the cares of the world begins to take on in their life, and that starts to choke out. They're like the seed is thrown on the, um, into the thorns. You know, both of those fruits don't bear any fruit. Both of those plants don't bear any fruit. They grew, but they didn't have no fruit associated with them. Now, we talked about bad fruit, yes, but there's no fruit. They were unfruitful, and bad fruit is unfruitful fruit. Okay? And so, he, so those were people who didn't do God's will. Those who practice lawlessness are those who do things contrary to God's word. And when the people develop a lifestyle of not obeying God at His Word, then I'm telling you, they're at risk. And it doesn't matter if they were associated with the church one day. It doesn't matter. If they were saying, well, yeah, but I went to church. Well, I did it. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they said, Lord, Lord. Well, if He's really Lord, then do what He says. Jesus even made that statement. He said, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? Don't keep the commandments. Now, when I say commandments, I don't mean the Ten Commandments, okay? But I do mean the ten in the sense of they are um, incorporated in this new covenant, the law of love, because love's not going to kill nobody. Love's not going to uh, covet another man's wife. Love's not going to commit adultery. Love's not going to do those things. Okay, so they're not gone, but we're not talking about these written rules as much as we're talking about what God has said. Amen? And so when we talk about these commandments, we're talking about what God has said because we're the word of the king is, Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 4, there's what? Power. And we want to obey the word of God because he's king and when the king speaks, that word is law. 
is forever settled. If the Lord says it's this way, it's that way. And he wants us to live by following the will of the Father. But there are people speaking or there's things out there that people say stuff, but you just can't depend on it. I'm telling you, you know, why are we into contracts like we are today? There was a day that a man could shake another man's hand and say, I'm going to do this. Now, there are people like that still alive. Uh, we do, you know, missions over in Nicaragua, and there's a particular man there, Uncle Frank. He has a ministry there where he helps people that are, you know, uh, men who have been out of jail or in all kind of trouble, they come to that place and it changes their lives. And he spoke to me the other day on um, the Internet. We were having a conversation and he was talking about what God had put in his heart for uh, us to be able to do. And he was saying things that I know I don't have to have a piece of paper. The minute this man caught revelation of it, or, or it, it's as if it's done. I mean, the man would swim across the Gulf of Mexico himself. Okay, he would swim into the um, Atlantic, up into the Gulf of Mexico to get up into here if he needed to get to me. I mean, it's that kind of divine connection. He don't need a contract. His word becomes his bond. Well, this is the same way with the Lord. The Lord wants his word to be forever settled in our lives because it produces a truth and it produces an action. But just because there are people out there that say things that don't always act on them. Next verse says this, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So it's important that we get God's word so we can act on it because not every word being spoken is truth. And we have to identify what's the truth and what's a lie. I mean, in today's society, you know, I mean, I, I don't keep up on all the technology, but I do know it's out there, Facebook, Twitter, you know, these things where people are running off and saying stuff all the time. So much opinion. You can't even watch news stations anymore without a little ticker tape of people, you know, putting their little opinion in on what they think. Down in Florida, we're having the big um, Casey Anthony trial because of her uh, daughter that, you know, died, and they're saying that she did it, and so there's this big deal. And it's on CNN or headline news, and people are, are sending their little comments. I think she did it. I think this. I... Well, they aren't even into court. They don't know. It's their opinion about something. And we've got to live life on something more firm than someone's opinion. Amen? Hallelujah. So with that being said, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13. I want to talk to you about a word that you can depend on. In today's society, people's words don't mean a whole lot anymore. And allows us to be, we become very skeptical about whether a person to do something or whether something to be done. Even ourselves, a lot of times, we don't even trust in our own words. We say we'll do things and then we don't even follow up with it ourselves. In Deuteronomy 13, we'll start in verse 1. It says this, If a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Doesn't that sound a lot like Jesus? He said we're supposed to love the Lord your God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We're not supposed to follow that. Verse 4 says this, You shall follow the Lord your God and fear Him, and you shall keep His commandments. Listen to His voice, serve Him, and cling to Him. Verse 5, But that prophet or the dreamer of dreams shall be what? Put to death, because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. You shall purge the evil from among you. 
You understand, we need to treat words that are contrary to God as evil. We don't want to have any association with it. Now, that doesn't mean you cannot have conversation with people who don't know God. Because we're in this world, but we're not of it. That doesn't mean we're not going to associate with people of this world. They're going to talk contrary to God. Because, number one, they don't even know Him. And so the Lord's not telling us that we're supposed to get a little compound and, and we're supposed to live all separate from these people. No, we are to evangelize to them. We're to make a witness them. We're supposed to show them the love of God. But their words should not affect us and we should not listen and live our life by them. People come in and say, man, I don't know what's going to go on in the economy, man. It looks bad and I don't know if we're going to keep our job. Well, what does your king say about you? Amen? Remember that time, Jimmy, when y'all had that, what was it, the... The generator or power plant went down, and they were talking, oh, we're going to have layoffs. And they were all concerned. Jimmy said, I'm not concerned about it. My God's got me. Why? Because he's from another world. Hallelujah. He's a child of God, and he knows the word of his king has more power than the circumstances going around him. And if the Lord needed him to go somewhere else, he could do it. But he's not going to sweat about it. Why? Because the Lord is able. He's able. He wants to hear a word from God. If God says, Jimmy, you need to prepare yourself, you're going to go get another job, then he'll be in preparation. But the Lord said, don't worry about it. You'll continue to stay here. It don't matter how scared everybody else gets about layoffs and things. He cannot listen to that ear. He can't have an ear to those sayings. He needs to listen to what God says. You see this. So there are people out there or there are things out there that are coming against the word of God, but we want to listen to the voice of the king. Amen? Why is this? Because it's the word of the king that's all that matters, and that's all that God's ever done. If we went back to Genesis, you know, and let's do this, you know, just to understand why the Bible's like it is and what the perspective is, because it allows us to keep ourselves in remembrance. The Bible's not a religious book, and we're not in a religion at all. Because as you know, in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then when he gets down to verse 26 of the first chapter of Genesis, he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let him have dominion or rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, over all the earth, over all the cattle of the earth. He was to have dominion. So God, in essence, from his heavenly realm, his kingdom realm, created a physical realm called planet earth, placed his man in there and his the spirit of the man inside a skin suit that he formed out of the dust of the earth he breathed into those nostrils the breath of life the spirit of god himself lived with the man bore witness with adam he was a child of god even the um the if you read the um um you know matthew mark luke and john the four gospels when it talks about so-and-so beget so-and-so beget so-and-so beget so-and-so you'll finally get down to adam the son of god now, Adam's not God in the flesh. That was Jesus. But Adam was a son of God because he was made in the image of God. And so God tells Adam, puts him in the garden, and says, you can eat of any fruit of the garden, but do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day you eat it, you will surely die. Now, we've asked this question, but we like to ask it a lot. If Adam had never eaten the fruit, where would he be living today? Adam wasn't trying to get to heaven. Adam was to walk in the dominion given to him by the Father. Adam wasn't saying, I wish I could die and go to heaven. I wish I could die and go to heaven. He wasn't doing that. If he doesn't eat the fruit, he's alive. 
it explains to us Genesis chapter 5 why all these people lived so many years, 8, 7, 8, 900 years old. Why? Because God never intended man to have to leave the planet to have relationship with him. Ever. But because Adam did sin, what was his sin? He disobeyed the voice of God. Well, what voice did he listen to? He listened to the voice of his wife. Well, where did she get the information that she had in order to pick the fruit of the tree forbidden and eat it? From the serpent. Well, where did the serpent get this information from? Well, he came from the realm of heaven. Isaiah 14 tells us he came from that realm. He was called Lucifer. And he says, I'll exalt my throne above the Most High. In essence, Lucifer tried to, he committed a rebellion in the heaven realm or the kingdom of heaven and wanted to take over the throne. It was a government takeover. But did it work? No, because Jesus talks about this event in Matthew. He said, I saw late, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now the Lord didn't feel it necessary to tell Adam this took place. He just told Adam, don't eat the fruit. Because Adam knew good, did he not? God's good. He created the first day, and at the end he said, and it was what? Good. And then the second day he created all that he did, and then he said it was good. And the third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. So Adam understood good. You know what he didn't know? Evil. Did God want him to know evil? Not at all. Not at all. But because Adam disobeyed that voice and listened to the voice of the devil, because what did the devil say to Eve? He said, you will surely not die. But God said, if you eat the fruit, you'll... You see this. Not every voice is truth. There is a voice and a word you can depend on. It's the word of the king. Because who told truth, the devil or God? God did. Because Adam, the minute he ate, he recognized his nakedness and his wife. They ran in what? Hid themselves. They tried to cover themselves up. The Lord comes through the cool of the day and says, Adam, where are you? He said, I hid myself where I was naked. He said, who told you that? Did you eat the tree I told you not to? He said, well, that woman you gave me. Cast blame, right? Blame somebody else. The minute we get in sin, we won't blame somebody else. We don't want to take responsibility. Then all of a sudden, she does the same things, follows her husband's example. Well, it's that serpent. But notice God went down to the root. And when he got to Satan, he said, you cursed. Man, come on. And then he says, from this woman... I'm going to raise up a seed, and it's going to crush your head. Who is that? It's Jesus. Well, was it spoken of Jesus? Sure. What about Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7? Write that down, and you can read it for yourself. It says this, a child will be given to us. A son will be born. Look at this. Let's just turn there. Let's just turn this. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Pull that up, Miss Cindy. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Look at this. We'll show you some things you might not have seen before. That's why, you understand, you want to declare some dependence day. We won't be totally dependent today. Look what it says. It says, that for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. Who is that? It's Jesus, isn't it? How many of y'all believe that's Jesus, the prophet Isaiah is talking about? Well, let's look what it says about Jesus. Look what it says here in Isaiah 9, 6. It says, and the what? The government will rest on his shoulders. Jesus didn't come to bring a religion. 
And he, his name will be called uh, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 goes on and says that there will be no end to the increase of his what? His government. Or of peace on the throne of David and over his what? His kingdom. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Jesus did not come to establish Christianity. Jesus came to reestablish the kingdom and dominion that Adam lost. Adam lost dominion of the earth. If you look at all the miracles that Jesus performed, every one of them has to do with the earth. Why? Because he operated in the dominion that Adam used to have. Adam's called the first Adam for obvious reasons. Jesus is known as the last Adam. Jesus rebuked winds and waves. They're on the earth. Jesus, um, you know, multiplied bread and fish. Dominion over the fish, dominion over the earth. Because wheat comes from where? The earth. Jesus cursed a fig tree. It's a plant on the planet. Correct? All of his miracles are associated with earthly things. When he healed the sick, why could he heal their bodies? Because their bodies are skin suits attached to the earth. He told Adam, because he had sinned, he said, Dust you came, dust you'll return. He lost a glorified body because he was separated from God. So Jesus is coming to establish the government of God again. And if we read the four Gospels, all he preached was this, and it starts in Matthew 4, 17. Repent for the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Woo, ma, ma, ma. What, who did the wise men come to seek? A king. They came to seek a king. And all the while, the enemy has gotten religion in this thing to where we want to receive Jesus as a Savior so when we die, we can go to heaven when the Lord came to purchase us, buy us back, be supreme in authority, own us as property, so that the kingdom can come through us and impact the planet. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, thy will be on as it is in. That's why healings today. Because by his stripes ye were, were. He paid that price, which means today your skin suit does not have to be subject to the devil's tactics and death that's associated with sin. Sin is simply just disobeying the word of the king. That's all it is. Jesus told Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 33, Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? He said, did someone tell you about me or did you get this on your own? Pilate says, look, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own people have handed you over to me. He said, my kingdom is not of this realm. Jesus said this. If it were, my servants would not let me be handed over to, the, to the, uh, the Jews, but as it is, my kingdom is of another world. He says, so you are a king. Jesus makes this statement. You say correctly, I am a king. He's the king of? He's the Lord of? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The Father's on a throne. Why do we bow down? Why will every knee bow because that's what you do to kings. So this Bible's not about religion. This Bible is about a king, his kingdom, and his children. And here's the good news. If you're born again, 
You are a new creature in Christ. You become a child of God, your royalty. Have you heard this about yourself? Is it Second Peter? I believe Second Peter says you are a verse nine, one chapter one, verse nine. Correct? You are a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy. See, God's about a nation of people. He's always been about that. If you read Samuel, when they rejected uh, him as king, they made King Saul. Uh, God says, we're going to anoint somebody as king. He said, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me as their king. When he made covenant with Abram, he said, I'll make you a great nation, not a religion. It's always been about a kingdom. It's always been about the word of the king. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. Faith is not a religion. Well, what's your faith? Well, what's your faith? My wife ministered on that this morning in the Kingdom Faith in our uh, faith class uh, this morning. People have made faith as if it's a religion. Well, you go to whichever particular faith you want to. Faith is not religious at all. Faith is an action. It is someone acting on the Word of God. And when we act on what God says, that unseen realm will manifest in this seen realm. Because God's original intent was to rule from His unseen heavenly realm, into this seen realm he created through the unseen spirit of the man living in the scene of his body on the scene of the planet. In essence, God colonized. We were a colony once. We were a colony once. The British colonized. You see what I'm saying? And we were an extension of another nation in foreign land. Do you see this? The Lord expanded his territory by creating an earth that he owns. He says this. I believe it's, um, look this one for me, Isaiah 45. Let's look at Isaiah 45, verse 16. I want you to see this because what's going on in the planet is an attack of words. And which word are you going to submit to? Isaiah. Eh, it must be 18 then. It is 18, verse 18. Isaiah 45, 18 says, For for thus says the Lord who created the heavens, He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be what? Inhabited. God created the world for you. Psalms 115. Look at this one. Psalms 115 and verse 16. It says that the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth He has given... To the sons of men. So in essence, Jesus has restored the dominion back to man. Now, that doesn't mean that if you are to pass from your body, you're not going to be present with the Lord. Sure you are. Sure you are. We understand this. Because this world is not in the original place that God created it. But in the end, we've read it. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Why is there another earth? We're burning up the other stuff. Why? Because God's going to get back in its original intent. And if you read Revelations, verse chapter 21, it says, the Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, is going to come down out of heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. The earth is the man, is, it, he's given to man. He's given us the earth to rule. We're not to rule each other, but we are to rule the earth. Hallelujah. And we're children of God. 
So there, since this has taken place, you understand, the enemy that was thrust out of the heaven realm, Lucifer, who's now called Satan, comes to the planet or in the planet realm, and when he sees Adam, he says, that man looks a lot like God. And you understand, he only has one agenda, that God will bow down and worship him. He wants to be lifted up over him. So when he gets Adam to succumb to him, he develops the dominion of Adam. That's why when Jesus was led by the Spirit in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1, into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And remember, there are three temptations outlined in that scripture, in that passage of scripture. What was the last one? Do you remember? The last one is the devil took him up to a high pinnacle and showed him all the what? Kingdoms. Didn't show Jesus religion. Didn't try to get Jesus to go to uh, uh, Islam. Didn't try to get Jesus into Hinduism. Didn't try to get Jesus to become a Buddhist. He showed him the kingdoms, that which he had dominion over. But what did Jesus say? And what was the requirement to get the kingdoms that the devil had? All you got to do is bow down and worship me. That's what he's wanted from the beginning. Ah, but Jesus said, no, 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 no. You'll only... You'll only trust in the Lord God only, amen. And from that point on, the devil left and looked for an opportunity to kill him because he could not get him to submit to him. Well, what we God wants us to do is to submit to him and to his word because if we'll be dependent on his word, it had come to pass. That's why Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4, 18. He says, why we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are what? They're temporary. The things that are not seen are? That's why we've got to get this word of God. Because when we get the word of God, it's really a word of a king and the governmental power associated with that king, and that word will always come to pass. Hallelujah. That's why we're people of faith. We believe in God's word, and his word cannot fail. It shall not return unto us void. Come on, you with me this morning, this evening, whatever time we're here. Okay. Uh, look at First Samuel chapter 15, just to show you again. It's so important for us to obey the word of the king. So important for us to recognize there may be other voices, but there's only one voice we can truly depend on. Samuel said, has the, Lord, uh, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Verse 23 for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as, as idolatry. Amen? Then he goes on and says, Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. The most dangerous word in a kingdom is the word we're celebrating tomorrow, independence. It's the most dangerous word. The devil wanted to be independent of God the Father and take the throne. He was cast out. King Saul wanted to do something not what God said, but a different way. Because, see, up to this point where he lost the kingdom and being the king over Israel, they would go in, they would attack, they would keep the best things, they would burn a sacrifice to God, and the Lord was pleased. And they did this time and time again. Then finally they got to this group of people that the Lord said, kill everything, don't save anything, wipe it all out. Everything, men, women, children, babies, livestock, don't keep anything. Well, they got in and did like they always did. And when they got to the best stuff that looked good, the men said, whoa, whoa, hold on. Let's, don't, let's keep this. We'll build another altar. And he listened to the voice of the people instead of the word of God. And I love this story. If you go back, 
Samuel when he shows up because the Lord's already told Samuel that Saul has not done what he said and has rejected it and he stripped the kingdom from him. So Saul comes very burdened already, you know, in his spirit, man, shows up and King Saul has the, the audacity to tell him, Hey, Samuel, how you doing? We've done exactly as the Lord says. And Samuel says, What's the sound of those sheep I hear in the background? Because I'd hear nothing if you did what God said. And it cost him his kingdom. You see this? So we need to listen to the right voice. Well, let's turn over to John chapter 8. Did Jesus listen to a voice? Are we supposed to follow the example of Jesus? Come on, here's something you can depend on. Because we, want to, we may be celebrating Independence Day, and most people in our nation don't even know what that means. But we, if we've been born of the Spirit of God, we recognize Jesus died on a cross, bled with His blood, paid the price for our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Went to hell itself, conquered death, hell, and the grave. The Holy Ghost went and got Him on the third day and rose Him out, raised Him up. Amen? Hallelujah. And He poured out His blood on the mercy seat in heaven and, and once and for all made atonement for mankind. Glory to God. Now we can receive that free gift of righteousness if we will call on the name of the Lord. He says this, but did Jesus operate this way? Jesus says, so Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and I do what? Nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. I'm saying Jesus lived a total life of dependency. He was totally dependent on the word of his dad. He would only do what his dad said. Let's see another scripture in John chapter 12, verse 49. Look what Jesus said. Jesus said, For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a command as to what to say and what to speak. Isn't that powerful? That's a powerful statement. We need to make sure we keep our mouth in line with what God is saying. You know what God said to me? He said, by his stripes ye were healed. He took on my infirmity and my sickness. You know what? Then that means I'm the healed of the Lord. Which means that's what I say. Now, my body may try to tell me symptoms and talk to me and say, man, no. I am the healed of the Lord. I have a purpose in the planet. I must accomplish my purpose and why I'm here, and my body and sickness and disease is not going to take me out. Amen. I'm not depressed. I will not let circumstances try to bring depression to me. No, I have the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. Amen. And when trouble comes, we can laugh about it. We consider it a joy to be sitting on the side of the highway with a flat tire, with no jack, and, and not being able to take the lug nuts off. Because I tried to get Pastor Marcus to use his teeth to get them off, but he wouldn't do it. You see people, they, with a little, nobody suggested to do that at all. Right? <laughs> Next time, okay. On the way, no, no, no. No, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. We will make it home with no complications. Now, if you're saying you're the one that louts, then we're throwing you out like Jonah, man, and we'll have, Pastor Brian had to bring you home when he comes back. <laughs> Amen? But what Jesus, look, this is our Lord. We're to be, follow his example. And, you know, we've become so Americanized. We say what we want to say, do what we want to do, talk like we want to talk. Yet Jesus lived a more dependent lifestyle than that. 
Amen. We've got to do the same thing. We need to become very dependent on God's Word. But Jesus did the greatest exploits in the planet, didn't he? He performed the greatest miracles. And what's, you know what? He shouldn't because he said the works that I do, even greater works will you do. He said it, and, 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 and um, Paul said this in Romans concerning Abraham, the father of faith. He said, and if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Which means the same spirit on Jesus. Come on now. Because he was endued with power. The Holy Ghost came upon him. When the Holy Ghost came upon him, he was led by the Spirit of God. He heard what the Spirit said, and he obeyed that voice. Because he knows the Spirit's only going to hear what he hears from up above. You see this. Jesus was not a man of his own will. He was totally submitted to the will of his dad. Even in the garden, when he knew this event will cause me to be separated from my dad for the first time. Man, and what did he say? He said, Lord, if there's any other way that this can be taken care of. If there's any way this cup can pass so that I don't have to drink this, if there's any other way, let it be. But if not, not my, but your will be done. Totally submitted a full dependency on what God said. Because what word did he have from God? You'll die, but in three days we'll come get you. You'll die, but in three days we'll come get you. You know what? You must rather believe for somebody else's resurrection than your own. Right? I mean, if anybody's going to pick to die, we're going to pick somebody else that we can believe for because you figure you can help them better than you can help yourself at that point. Jesus raised some people from the dead, did he not? I mean, and Lazarus was in the grave four days, so Jesus ought to be able to go in there and say, well, this man came out in four, I'm only going to be in for three, this is easy. No, but here was a separation. He took on sin. A man who knew no sin became... Sin became our disobedience. He didn't want to ever have to have that. He didn't want to take that on for himself, but he did it for humanity because it was the will of his Father. Hallelujah. He was submitted. He said, if I'll do this, then I'll have an opportunity to be able to redeem all of mankind and restore the kingdom back to him. John chapter 14, look at this. John chapter 14, verse 10. He says, do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. But the Father abiding in me does his works. What is God saying about us? What has God said about you? What is it that we should be saying? Did he call you the righteousness of God in Christ? I mean, there's people all over churches that say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner. You're saved by grace through faith. Now you're a child of God, a believer. You can actually believe God in His Word. You have the capacity within you to want to obey God. Because the Spirit of truth bears witness with your spirit, you're a child of God, and the Holy Spirit only wants to do what God says. People say, well, you know, it's just so hard to obey God, so hard to live for Him. No, it's not. It's not hard to live for Him. You can live for Him. You can do exactly what it says. Why? Because the Spirit in you wants to do that. And your spirit's been made in the likeness of God. And Jesus didn't walk around and say, Lord, this is just too hard. I just don't know if I can keep doing what you want me to do down here. Jesus did not complain, did not have those kind of conversations. He was submitted to the word of his dad. Not only did Jesus do this, but he said the, spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit would do the same. John chapter 16, verse 13. Look at this. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. Ooh, isn't that good news? Amen. Listen, 
We want to be fully dependent on God's Word because God's Word is life. Peter said it so clear. When Jesus made a couple statements and the crowds left him, he looked at his disciples and said, Are you going to leave too? And Peter said, Lord, where will we go? You have the words of life. Do you understand? You want God to say something to you. Because if he speaks to you, that's life coming to you. You want to obey him at his word because it brings life to you. You want to do what he says. You want to be totally dependent on him. We don't want to be independent. We don't want to live this life our own way. We don't want to go through life hoping we're going to get there one day. We don't want to make Jesus Savior and say, Hey, you know, thanks for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I'm going to go to heaven and then live a life independent of him. The Bible tells us that if we're really children of God, we will not do this. In fact, in order to be born again, we must have a confession of faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. What is that confession of faith? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as what? As what? Lord. Not as your personal Savior. I mean, everybody makes him personal Savior, and then they got their little get-out-of-hell-free card, Lord, when we get there. Remember, 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 Lord, remember when I was nine years old and I gave my heart to you? And the Lord's thinking, well, where, what happened to it? I ain't found it in so long. I ain't heard from you. I mean, you meet them in the grocery stores. You start inviting them. Oh, no, I, you know, I'm all right. You know, I'm, I'm right with Jesus. Well, where do you go to church? Well, I don't really go to church anymore. I, I'm really not into, you know, institutionalized religion. Well, neither is he. He's into the kingdom. Okay. You know, they make all these excuses why they can't be around God. But, you know, I'm right. Listen, he's not Lord. The word Lord, as Pastor Brian has already uh, uh, adequately defined here before, it means supreme in authority. Lord is not a religious word anyway. Lord means owner of property. And we know the Bible says you've been purchased. You're not your own. He bought and paid for you with his blood. He didn't redeem you with perishable things like silver and gold, but with his own precious blood. What? You became his territory. And you want God to own you. You want him to own you. You want to be a citizen in the kingdom. You want to be a child of God. You want to be a royal citizen. You want that because the king takes care of his kids. Woo! The king takes care of his kids. He said, if we confess with our mouth Jesus Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that confession means make a covenant with your mouth that Jesus is supreme in authority, which means it's not my way anymore, it's his way, period, period. That means no matter where you're at in life, you want to be an influence for the kingdom. You want to be doing it his way. Let me tell you something about the kingdom. There's a difference between being independent and being an individual, okay, because a lot of times then we want to be, oh, man, I, you know, I'm my own person. And we confuse individuality with independence. Because independence is the most dangerous word in the kingdom. You do not want to operate and act independent of God's word. Because outside of God's word is death. If we obey his word, it's life. If you don't obey his word, it's death. Very simple. That's why Joshua, and you think people would get this, and he wouldn't even have to answer the question for him, but he said this. He said, today I set before you life and now, we ought to be smart enough to figure that one out. But Joshua had to answer it for them and ask, tell them, choose life. You need to choose life. Why? Because people want to be so independent of God. 
And they make excuses. Well, but the Lord knows I love her. I mean, we may not be married, but I really care. And you're shacking up with her, and you're not married, and you act like God's good with it. And then one day say, well, you know, we live in grace. You know, God, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. My king's policies in his kingdom says you do not fornicate. That's what it says. I mean, this isn't personal. This is the word of the king. You're producing death in this relationship. You see that? Because God loves you. Listen, he wants it to be a marriage. He wants you two to make covenant together. He wants you to come together in a holy matrimony. He wants it to be the greatest thing. And you're letting the devil lie to you and give you something that is not contrary and is not is a cheap imitation of the real thing. Man, go ahead and say, I do. Go ahead and get in covenant with that woman. Go ahead and love her for the rest of your life, man. Go ahead and enjoy all the benefits that are associated with the marriage relationship. See, God wants it for your good. individual, a specific person, is distinct from others in the group. In the kingdom, you lose your independence, but not your individuality. You are to operate individually with full dependency upon the king. You can have a relationship and still be independent of the one in whom you have a relationship with. We know husbands and wives, they may have a ring on, and stay at the same house, but they do not actually, they're really not married. The man taught a lot of times to sleep in another room, or even if they sleep in the same room, it's only on every occasion. I mean, there's no real relationship. So just because we see things externally, again, we were looking at the very beginning. People saying, Lord, Lord, and the Lord saying, I don't even know who you are. People can have a ring, so I never divorced my wife. Yeah, but you ain't been married to your in years. I mean, you've been divorced in your heart, but you just don't have paper to prove it. Come on now. No, we want to have our heart attached with the things of God. We want to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Ooh, my, my, my. Amen. We want to do things that are honorable in how God. We want to have the we want to obey that word and follow through with what God says. Listen, we lose our independence, but we don't lose our individuality. Why? Because God places us in the body where it pleases him. Each individual, each one he's placed. Which means, you know what? I've got to work. She's got to work. You've got to work. You've got to work. That is an individual within a body. The hand can't tell the foot, I don't need you. Thank God the hand's not the foot. You know, if everybody was an ear, where would the see? eyes be? And where would we see from? If everything was the nose, how would we hear? Correct? So you understand the ear is not the nose, but we sure need each other. So we still have a portion of individuality in the kingdom, but we're all fully dependent on what he's saying. Hallelujah. And you want to be dependent on him. Why? Because his word's something you can depend on. There's nothing the Lord ever said that a person who would believe it didn't come to pass. What did Jesus say? He was in a setting, and a man had a son that was possessed of a devil, a demon, and took him to his disciples. And they couldn't do nothing. So he brought him to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, if you can do anything, what was Jesus' response? If I can, all things are possible to him who believes. And the man says, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. What's he saying? All you got to do is believe what I say, and it will happen. Period. What does the Lord say about you? What does he say about your circumstance? 
What does He say about your situation? What does He say about your kids? Come on now. The Lord tells us as parents, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they shall not depart from it. That means He's going to equip us to be able to train them. The Amplified says it this way, in their individual bent. Which means there's a gift God puts in them. The, the biggest uh, hurt that parents do to their kids is they say, you're going to be this when you get older. Why don't we let God determine what they're going to be? And let's hear what God wants to say about them and do everything we can to hear, let them discover God. Because you know you want your kids to obey you. You want them. You say, you know, pick up your, pick up your toys. You don't want them saying, you pick up, their, you pick up them toys. I ain't, you know, man, you're thinking, come on. Come on, let's, let's have a talk. Right? No, you don't want that disrespect. We are to train our kids to hear God. When your child comes and says, I've heard the voice of the Lord, and he's called me to do this, man, you want to rejoice. You want to rejoice. There's things the Lord says concerning his word can't fail. Hallelujah. Amen? It's a word we can depend on. His word is truth. Do you believe that tonight? Come on, do you believe that tonight? Well, listen, tomorrow when you're celebrating Independence Day, you know, maybe you're hearing the fireworks go off and you think about our nation that says it's free. We understand we don't, we don't know freedom like we know freedom as people who are born again. People who have received Jesus as uh, Lord and Savior, they understand freedom. Because those people, if they'll obey the Word, what did Jesus say? He said, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And he says, thy word is truth, and the truth will set you free. So true freedom comes with knowing God's word. When everybody else is worried about what's going on in life, you're just standing there laughing, smiling. What in the world? Larry, why are you so happy? Because I got the word on this thing. What do you mean? So you, you don't understand what's going on. You don't understand. They're talking about laying us off, Larry, or whatever. I'm not worried about it. In fact, my king told me, don't worry about a thing. He said, take no thought saying. He said, you know, cast your cares on him. He cares for me. Do you understand? My king cares for me. I, my dad, who happens to be a king and lives in heaven, cares for me. I'm not going to be begging for bread. My daddy told me he wouldn't leave me as an orphan. And he said that the, that the children of God wouldn't be begging for bread. He said, I, he said that the, he, my, uh, one of my ancestors, you know, when I went down my little family tree, he was a king. as King David. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. I'm a child of God and I won't be begging. See, that's what you can depend on. That word. Standing on that word. Speaking that word. Staying true to that word. Being fully dependent on this. And that's tough in our nation. Because we like our opinions. We like to be able to say what we want to say. In fact, we even call that freedom. We thank God we live in a free country because we can talk about anybody like we want to. Nobody can stop us. I mean, you, people want to talk about President Obama, run him down and talk about all he's doing. Just talk, talk, talk. You know what? Have you met the man? Have you shook his hand? Have you spoke to him? Have you spent any time with him? And I mean, listen, if he's making decisions that may be contrary to our government, well, then are we praying for him? You see what I'm saying? There's still an office that they're in. There's still an office. And we respect that. You understand? When I, when I get around people that are in uh, positions of great influence, and it's obvious that they're not running in the way our king says, 
that just may be a King Saul. That just may be, excuse me, not King Saul, but a man named Saul. There was a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. He was totally against the church. He persecuted it. Man, he's killing people. See, most churches, they just won't kill that man. But if we pray for that person, because what happened? That Saul, I mean, Saul was, had the greatest antichrist legislation. He was the, the biggest push of antichrist legislation. I mean, if he's going, he's, he's bringing abortion in. He's bringing homosexuality in. He's all about that. But on the road to Damascus, he's confronted. And this person who was the greatest persecutor of the way of God became the strongest supporter of the things of God, and he wrote over half the New Testament in letters we keep preaching today. You see this. See, a lot of times we form our opinion about people when what we've got to do is we've got, Lord, what do you want us to do about this? Amen? I'm not praying President Obama out. I'm praying for the man to hear truth. Because if the man can hear truth and act on it, whoo, my, my, my. You see what I'm saying? What we need is someone who will obey truth. That's what we need. We don't need another president. We need someone who will actually submit to the word of truth and start acting on it. That's what we need. Well, let's pray. Because, man, could you imagine what would happen to our nation? Because President Obama, he's charismatic. That man can carry an audience. He has pulled. There's no doubt. Can you imagine if he left out of his house there in the White House and went for one of his jogs and when he was coming around on the lawn, the light shined and Jesus said, and he comes back in and says, there's some policy changes we fix to have. I'm talking about any policies that he may be supporting now that we know is contrary to the Word of God. Okay? Can you imagine? What would take place? All they need is truth. People need to become totally dependent on the word of the king. Hallelujah. See, this is why things don't become personal. Because our job is to keep speaking truth and get people to know, listen, there is a kingdom that's in an unseen realm. And if we can get the king to come and live on the inside of you, his kingdom within you, as according to Luke chapter 17, verse 21, it changed your absolute life. And it won't matter what's going on around here. That realm will impact this realm for you and those around you. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we honor you and we praise you. Father, we thank you, Lord. We want to walk in love. We want to.